Look, he's... Godzilla's... I mean, King Kong's gonna do the best he can, but... Hey, I'm Kong. Kong all the way. It's a radioactive dinosaur. I know. I'm, I'm yeah, on yeah. the losing team. I it's like, like the a, underdog. This is like LNF versus a 1-8 Sonic. I like the underdog, okay? <clears throat> it's like four-cylinder versus V8. Alright, yeah, so we're, we're talking about fuel systems today. Hey, that's you know, better. Uh, there we go. There we go. All of us... There we go. Uh, our motto here at ZZP is go fast, not broke. Um, that, yep. that means don't replace parts that are unnecessary to replace. I, I answer this email so many times. I'm sure I'm sure Matt and yeah, I My whole time well. building my car, I've been broke. Like, so I'm forced to find ways to go fast without spending a lot there. of money. Most well, of us are still there. <laughs> what fuel pump do I put in my car? First question, do you need it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, tell me how you need it, and and if if you don't know, then then that's cool. We can we can tell you. Um, a fuel pressure gauge is like twenty dollars, maybe thirty dollars at like yeah. a Harbor Freight type auto or um, parts store. If that's too much, you can rent them from most chain stores for full refund. Yeah, and hook them on the Schrader valve and zip tie it to your windshield wiper. I've done that several times. Yep. How long a, did you leave that on there? Just just for the test. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I mean most, most fuel rails have a Schrader valve on it, which is a valve that you just thread the sensor into. When you thread the sensor into it, it pushes a little plunger, and then it allows fuel pressure to hit the, the actual gauge. And then you could just stick that underneath the wiper and just look right out your windshield, see that and the road. And, um, and if you're holding your full fuel pressure that your car desires, then you don't need a fuel pump. Um, yep. Fuel pumps are not a fun thing to install. Uh, it takes a lot of time. Some cars you have to drop the whole, you have to drop the tank. You might not be lucky like the thirty eight hundred guys to have a trap door. I mean, <laughs> Tim's car has a trap door now. <laughs> after the last time he had to drop it. Yep. So <clears throat> I mean, a fuel pump, man. If an in tank fuel pump, don't replace it unless you need it. I mean, a lot of modern cars. It's they're so efficient now that most yep. modern cars don't really need them ever. Yeah. I mean, what's like an LNF? High pressure Man. fuel pump, good too. Hell enough, we'll do 500 on E85. Yeah, so that's stock into 90% of people. Yeah. Easy. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Matt says the LNF can handle 500. I mean, the, no way. Drop the tank, you know. And then once you put an aftermarket fuel pump in the car, uh, you have to worry about scavenging. You know, you, you want to be able to turn a corner and your fuel pump still sucks. Yeah, and with not the suck air. Delta platform has a big problem with that when you get. To a non-stock pump. Yep. Kappa too. Uh, well, Kappa has a problem yeah. with that stock. Oh, really? My car's stock, and I can't race with under yeah. three eighths of a tank of fuel. I think yeah, they we have just... a smaller pump than the Cobalt too, though. Okay. Oh, did they get a? Uh, At least the early ones did. They might have upped them after that, but. Yeah, let us know if anyone's them. too loud, too quiet. Yeah, because as we go, so. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I wanted to ask with a. Uh, to a kind of the 3800 OGs on here, you guys had to figure out what you ran into first with the, the old 3800s. So how did you? I mean, yeah, that was the fuel really kind of there? the first time going from the ground up. Yeah. Uh, well, fortunately for us, we loved gauges. So like Zoom's car had like a fuel pressure gauge in it the whole time I worked at ZCP pretty much. So that was like one of his first gauges, uh, those uh, Intel Tronics ones, right? <laughs> 
the the red numbers, yeah, really boring looking about. screen. Did it have the button with the changing colors on it? Oh no, no. this is this is like this before. before they had multicolor LEDs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, you know, a thirty eight hundred car, you're under vacuum. You should be in the mid forties. You know, um, that's fine. And then if you're NA, it'll probably go up to about fifty psi of fuel pressure at full throttle. And NA guys never have to change a pump unless it fails yeah um and a boosted car like a gtp uh you have some boost so it's going to go a little higher than 50 so you're talking like mid high 50s for fuel pressure if you have that much in a 3800 car you're fine don't touch the fuel pump Mm -hmm. Um, my bonneville made like my bonneville had some bolt-ons it made 315 at the wheels and i ran e47 e47 is half and half e85 and gas and uh that you know that requires 15% more fuel, and the stock pump was fine. So these, uh, you mentioned the NA really never has to upgrade yeah. them? No. And a lot of these other ones are getting old. Would you, say yours just gets old and dies, would you just replace it with an OEM, or would you upgrade it as a while you're in there ever? That's a good question, actually. Um, me, personally, I am a huge fan of OEM. Mm-hmm. If it's Especially enough, on the run newer stuff. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't necessarily go with, like, a parts store brand. Yeah, um, just a, so maybe price, price out the actual OEM versus, like, my go-to for an aftermarket pump is the Green Top AEM 320. They've worked well for me and all the cars that I've put them in and never had an issue with them. Yep. Uh, another thing with in-tank pumps, don't just put the sock that comes with the aftermarket <laughs> pump on the yeah. pump. And just drop it in your canister and think you're good to go. Unless you're just going to always have a full tank. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because that pump, that canister and pump is so complicated. Like, it's got, it uses fuel pressure to fill the canister. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in some of the really old cars, uh, they have like a Venturi mechanical pump in them. Um, some cars like the ATSV has like a, a drop pump. What do you call that? Like, you have a second pump on the other side. And Lift pump lift pump yeah yeah. and you know that's pretty complicated setup so you don't want to touch it unless you absolutely have to yeah yeah the cobalt guys still constantly battle having issues when you change the pump with getting fuel supply under like a third to a quarter of a tank um the venturi style system in the bottom of the cobalt canister is very very picky you have to have that pump seated exactly where the stock one was or else it's not going to function that's a different problem than the weird hump thing because that's why they starve on side to side right is because the tank is so wide yeah well it's a combination so on the bottom of the cobalt pump there's a tiny little like little valve underneath where the pump is at so that most of the fuel you're getting comes from inside the canister. Mm-hmm. But that suction there lifts the valve and it draws a little bit from outside the canister as well. And so your return line goes back to the canister. So it should always keep the canister full even when your fuel, fuel level is low. Yep. And then with fuel sloshes to the side away, that valve drops and closes the canister. So you can run off of just what's in the canister for however long it takes to get the fuel back underneath it. Um, Sonics use an actual Venturi line, which works really well. Uh, we just pulled the tank out of the LTZ a couple days ago to check some things, and it hasn't had the key turned on in a month, 
and there was like a half inch of fuel in the tank and the canister was still full to the brim nice so it's pretty cool to see that one's working hmm. and that uh, car has a zz350 in it running off of that venturi line yeah the lnf doesn't fill the canister any faster than what stock pump will will support so if you put a bigger pump in the lnf you have to run three quarters of a tank or more yeah or floor it for four seconds and you're done <laughs> yeah <laughs> it just runs out yeah i ran a surge tank on my car to get around that issue yeah Noah's got a pretty cool setup too, right? He was roughly told yeah, me about Yeah, Noah has a, a fill pump in his, or like a lift pump, um, which is another common thing that a handful of Delta guys have done. I think Taylor Lear was one of the first ones I heard of doing it. But just a, a smaller pump that you connect with line to a bulkhead to the bottom of the canister and then leave enough line on it so that it roughly reaches to the back of the tank. That's what's in the uh, in our black LLF culprit. Oh, okay. Yep. It's a stock Grand Prix pump. Just sits in the very back of the tank. That's the bad part of the design of the cobalt is putting the Yeah, the canister's in the front. Towards the front of the I don't know why. Tank. Yeah, and well, when you do a setup like that, it doesn't take very much pump I mean, because there's no pressure. They weren't expecting these cars to run elevens and tens. Yeah. Well <laughs> that's true <laughs> <They> also. <should've. laughs> they can cruise down the highway on fumes perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and a lot a lot of um how you choose an aftermarket pump is the inlet design too. Uh, our ZZP350 has a different style inlet than the than the AEM yeah. uh, E85 pump. So you kind of have to remove your fuel pump, look at the inlet of it, see if you have the tiny little offset um, inlet, or if you have the big thumb-sized yeah. center inlet, and then order that pump according. Yeah. Um, and you want, like if you pull your factory pump out of a hole, you want to put the fuel pump, like, back in that hole. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I like the AEM pump so well, is with the cobalt tanks. It's the only one that I was able to get to fit very, very well into the stock canister. So I just... I must to... be on Ryan Derrick's old mic. <laughs> that's why, <laughs> that's why, that's why it was turned down. Turn it up. Well, I'm trying to make sure Eric didn't switch <laughs> around the one. numbers either, so... <laughs> Ryan probably blew the speaker in the mic. <laughs> I'm pretty sure yep. we're one, two, three, four, but there's a chance I might be adjusting the wrong ones. Alfred, report back. Let us know uh, how the volume is now. Yep. I've got this mic just about in my mouth. I see the people on Facebook already getting into the injector debate. Oh yeah. Did not take long. Okay. <laughs> um, that's another. That's another one. Um, my opinion with fuel injectors: uh, if you don't need them, don't buy them. Yeah. There's no benefit. And yeah. Potentially, there's downsides. Yeah. yeah. I actually didn't know that until I started here that you could go too big and kind of hurt yourself. Yeah. If you're way over injected, I think. Yeah, you can have problems with uh, drivability and idle. How smooth the idle is. Uh, the only time that you will gain power from fuel larger fuel injectors is if you're maxing yours. <laughs> if you're maxing your fuel injector, the injector is so wide open that the fuel is not entering the engine at the correct time so you have bad injection timing i guess you would say and you know kind of dirty power so that's when you it would be nice to have a larger injector because you have a better spray timing and the fuel gets in the cylinder correct where is it i was trying to get <laughs> into the uh yeah you can actually talk into like the flat part kind of like this will technically sound better than in the top of oh, it. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize till last week that the I mic's mean, actually say front on one side. 
I was about five degrees off. Ryan, how is that? Yeah, check, check, check. Better. I mean, the sticker was like pointed that way. Anyway. But, yeah. So, um, fuel injectors also. Um, don't replace them if you don't need them. And only get as large of an injector as you realistically think you're going to need. If you have a Sonic and you're never going to run E85, there is no point to ever running a 60-pound or larger injector. Right. A, you know, a 42 is fine. If you're a 3800 car, you have two more injectors, so 42s will get you to 400 wheel. Yeah. So, like, on gas. So, you know, 42s are fine for any supercharged build, yeah. unless you're E85 yeah. and you need 30% more. And uh, really? Much better from a couple degrees? That's cool. Anyway. Anyway, so we covered pumps. <laughs> we covered injectors. Nice. <laughs> nice, Jeff. <laughs> Matt, Matt saves it for the good info. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else do we have? Just lines? Maybe fuel rails? Kind of the minor parts of the system? Uh, I get annoyed with people thinking they need larger fuel rails. If you look at, like, an LS setup, it's pretty much just fuel line. Same, same with 3800. It's like a fuel line that daisy-changed the injectors. Like, it's uh, the LSJ, the fuel rail is significantly larger than your feed line. Like, it cannot be a choke point, but people will still will think that they need to go larger because there's more fuel volume. But then you get into the whole non-compressible fluid argument and... Phew, just goes over <laughs> most people's heads. Have them measure the inside of their fuel rail and then look at the holes in the end of the injector. Yeah, the hole in the end of the yeah. injector. <laughs> Man, yeah, the injector's a pretty small hole, so. Uh, the feed line can start to fight you. Um, to an extent, you can overcome it with more pressure. Um, like the Cobalt, when it made 900, was running through a stock feed line. Yeah. But it had a lot of pump behind it to make it happen. We'll have a new uh, AN cobalt fuel line kit real soon. Uh, oh, mostly yeah. because they break, though, from rust. <laughs> Not because you really need one. Yeah, so, you know, just in case anybody didn't you know, miss that, we used a factory fuel line on a cobalt and made damn near 900 wheel yeah. horsepower with no issues. 898 so. back to back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the factory yeah, the fuel line is line, fine. The stock feed line is roughly the same as a Dash 6. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you don't have a rusty car, never worry yeah, about as, it. Ever as like. these cars get older, we're starting to see the rusted fuel lines a lot more. Mm-hmm. And it's expensive to get a replacement stock fuel line. And they're a complete pain in the butt to get into the car because it's all one pre-bent piece. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> fuel rails, <laughs> fuel rails, fuel lines, all fine. Yeah, you don't need to replace them unless you want fancy looking stuff. But I'm not really a big fan of fancy looking stuff because as soon as you mess with it, it's one more thing that can fail. Yeah, <laughs> you put fancy AN lines on. Now you have fuel lines popping off under your hood, spraying fuel on yeah, your hot you have engine. Fittings to leak. They're a pain in the butt to assemble. Yeah, it's a, they're a pain in the butt to assemble and make look nice. Like, the idea of AN lines is great, but what happens when you do a crappy job at assembling them and they yeah, it and stuck. looks terrible? So yeah, yeah, and then I was always cheap, so I would buy, like, the cheap 
uh, stainless mesh outer braided line, which are even more of a nightmare to get the fittings on the end of them. You waste so much time getting those things together. You should have just bought a pre pre made line, had someone else do it that has the right tools. And sure. if you ever have something go wrong, like those fittings, you have to order and wait a week to get in. So something goes wrong, you can't run to the store and fix it. Like, but yeah, your car stopped until you order a new whatever. Yeah, or if you accidentally ordered one of the fittings wrong, yep. you're dead in the water until mm-hmm. you're able to replace it. Yep, uh, and then next, uh, so a DI car like an LNF, uh, LTG, uh, LHU, LDKs, you know, those cars are direct injected. So that fuel injector is, um, there's not a lot of options for them, um, for larger ones. And those cars actually have two fuel pumps. They have an in-tank pump, just like all the other port-injected cars have. But then they also have a mechanical pump, which is driven off the cam. The cam basically has another lobe on it that just pushes a plunger. And then that plunger, kind of like a diesel, uh, that plunger just takes your, let's say, 60 PSI fuel pressure and cranks it up to, you know, what, what, 2200 in an LNF and, you know, 28 to 3200 in an LTG car. Hmm. Um, And that's what you need to fight the compression in the engine because that fuel injector is spraying into your combustion. That's that's why you have to have yeah. that pressure, because it's all about pressure difference, and you have to like have more pressure there. It, spraying against that cylinder pressure, that's why they run at thousands of psi. Yes, yeah, and I believe diesel guys run even more than that. Oh yeah, oh, by yeah. Far. thirty thousand maybe. Yeah. Really? Yeah, thirty thousand psi for yeah, like a semi truck. A fuel line leak on the high pressure side on a diesel can go right through your hand it's yeah you don't mess around with that yeah so yeah and and there are a couple ways to get more fuel system out of uh out of a di car um number one uh every car that's di you can scan the low pressure side so you if your low pressure is holding then your intake pump is fine leave it alone except lnf mm-hmm. um lnfs don't have that yeah matt's the no lnf sensor. guy no sensor on the low pressure side um, LTGs do, um, so you can you can scan that. Uh, it takes pretty much full mods, like a full full bolt-on car to even need an in-tank pump. Um, we're talking like 400 plus wheel horsepower on E85 to need an in to need an in-tank pump on an LTG car. Um, but then you have to you know your high pressure pump runs out quick, and uh, we don't really like changing that we haven't really found a affordable reliable high pressure pump for the ltg yet so we just made a larger fuel pump lobe that lobe just makes the mechanical pump move more fuel it um you know the plunger is deeper and higher lift and it makes more fuel so what's the uh mythical fifth injector i don't really know much about the system but that's an interesting one because a lot of people uh, thought they were going to take the ZZP version and make it better by moving it to where they're spraying right on the top, directly against the airflow into the throttle body. And uh, before I had experience with it, I even thought the same thing. Like, why would you want to spray in from the side when you can probably get a lot more even distribution by going dead in the center? Uh, but you put the car on the dyno, and it doesn't work that way. All right. Ours goes right across the throttle plate, so it, it can't mix any better than that. Yeah. 
when you put it out in the middle of the intake, you're feeding cylinders two and three yeah. more than one and four. But yeah, you said you've had cars on the dyno that had that mm-hmm. setup, and you switch yeah, it right there. KR the by moving the injector. Yeah, but really? it back into the EVAP port. So the way it works is that the EVAP port where we put the fifth injector in is a little pinhole that feeds right into the side of the throttle body. And so the airflow rushing through kind of just draws the fuel into the airstream. And mm-hmm. it's, it's like the two, two plastic straws trick, it, which it, a lot of people have never heard of. It's so simple. People try to say that you're spraying down in there and it's going to come out the separate hole and it's, it's not going to atomize. What do you think is going to happen? It's going to come out and drops. It doesn't happen like that. That air is moving over 100 miles per hour when your fifth injector turns on. Take a blowgun and drip some fuel through it and see how many drops end up on the wall. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And, and for, it works very well. And for those of you that, that don't know what that is, we just take a port injector, mm-hmm. you know, a port mm-hmm. injector. Did I think fuel the injector comes with a 60. a sixty. We tee into the feed line before the mechanical pump, right? So and we just put low pressure side. Yeah, we just put like sixty pounds of fuel pressure to it, and then there's a little controller box that reads airflow, and then that changes the pulse of the injector. And for the people that don't know, what kind of power is that recommended at? Um, well, now that we have the big pump and the cams. I mean, you can go to 500 on the 85 now without the fifth injector. Yeah, I've watched Ryan's car do it. <laughs> if you're on a yep. stock mechanical pump, you know, you might make 425 maybe, and then you need the fifth injector. Yeah. So you'd go pump before that yeah, pretty I mean, much it's, always, it's yeah. Easy. Yeah. Yeah, it is easier to do. It's easier to tune. There's a lot of times when you're tuning those, especially remote tuning, you have to count on the customer to set the dials where they need to be. Not yeah. telling you they turned it all the way down <laughs> and the car's running rich. Mm-hmm. Because well, that's they, actually... Yeah, they think they fuel. turned it off mm-hmm. when they turned it all the way up. What's next on your list? Um, so... There's a couple ways to get more fuel out of a out of the high pressure side. You have the larger fuel pump lobe mm-hmm. on the cam, and then you have the larger pump itself. Right. Mm-hmm. Which for the LNF we have the larger we have both. Mm-hmm. We have the larger lobe and the lo- larger pump, um, and then on the LTG we just have the larger lobe, which seems to be enough. Do you want to briefly explain what a larger fuel pump lobe does to those that don't know? It's the uh, original ones. It's like a stroker. They're actually smaller. Yeah, I mean, you remove material from it. Yeah, um, but what it is is the the high pressure fuel pump is just a piston pumping in and out yeah. so mm-hmm. that it can get that high pressure. And in factory form, there's a lot of travel left that that pump is capable of that the stock fuel lobe on the cam isn't taking advantage of. Hmm. So by making the flats kind of dish in on the fuel pump lobe, you can extend the pump farther and you get more stroke out of it. So you start, you, you get a, you know, it can keep the pressure high at a higher fuel volume. And now that we make all of the stuff ourselves, we can go even bigger than that with our cam lobes. Hmm. Yeah. So we can extend the stroke both directions and maximize what that pump is safely capable of handling. So it's basically a stroker kit for your factory mechanical pump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then now we have places that are making big bore pumps 
Yep. Uh, which is like the, the high pressure pump that we sell for the LNF is a larger bore pump. So you get the larger stroke and a larger bore. It's just like changing it in an engine. So you have a larger piston that moves farther. It's going to move a lot more fuel. Yep. And for the ATSV, we have that AutoTech, mm-hmm. which is basically like a big bore kit for your factory yeah. fuel pump. Yeah, guys that are familiar with dirt bikes, it's I was even say, more. Reminds me of my moped days. Yeah, it's even more simple than doing a jug and piston on a <laughs> you know, single cylinder two-stroke, but it's almost exactly the same concept. Hmm. It's a, you replace the liner and you replace the piston. Now you have a big bore kit in your fuel pump. Yep. Yep. Um, some cars have larger DI injector options, like the LNF. Mm-hmm. The LNF comes. It's not a flex fuel car. So it comes with a gas-only injector. Uh, then they came out with the Opal version engine, the Regal engine, and uh, they wanted to make that flex fuel. So they, you know, obviously flex, you know, E85 requires 30% more fuel. So they had to come out with a larger injector. So that's where the Regal injector comes in. And um, fortunately, we can just put those in Cobalts and uh, yeah. HHRs mm-hmm. and then just tune them and you have a larger injector. Yeah, we still sell those right on the site, right? Oh, yeah. Do we still have those in stock? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's like injectors and stage one sensors, and you're good to go pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, DI cars love larger injectors when they're available. But um, one thing I... Yeah, if you can keep the pulse smaller on a DI car, there's a lot of power and torque to be gained. Yeah. Yeah, injection timing is crucial funny diesels love that too mm-hmm. why so they run gigantic mechanical pumps so they can control their uh, injection timing way more for way more gains yeah yeah and that goes to what you said too you're putting an oem brand new part yes on your car so there's yep. no negative to that at all yep it's a new part and it's oem basically never worry about it what would it take <laughs> to flex a 3800 uh, a standalone I mean, I've heard of, like, they have flex kits that manipulate this and that, so you could, potentially. Yeah. I suppose or, you, it would be, or you could just do it like some other tuners we know of that just tune it on E47 and tell you it's flex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I, I can't believe they get away with that. People buy it. If it's in know. the middle, it does both, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, sure. I think the one I'm talking about messes with your injector duty cycle. Oh, really? I believe it's a flex sensor. Yeah, they were selling them like 15 years ago. Yeah. It's like intercepts it your intercepts duty cycle? the uh, injector control. But you're not going to gain timing. Yeah. Yeah. It's only changing the fueling. Yeah. If, if you're running a higher octane fuel, you've got to ignite that spark a little bit quicker because the burn is, takes longer. So, yeah, to, to have gains from E85, you really have to have additional time Yeah, in, it, you'd be able fuel. to run it, but you're not going to get any performance benefit out mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. There was benefit to it when E85 was super cheap. Like a dollar yeah, or whatever. It, it yeah. got down to 75 cents here. Yeah. Well, is it really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that one yellow hose company yeah, they had a dollar a, off. A dollar off of whatever gas was. Wow. We, we should have... Just bought it off. Anchor in there. <laughs> yeah. Filled up. Just empty out their whole underground tank. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't have the, what was the, I was trying to think of the old DSM tricks where you'd like key on, press traction control, and you could like flip between two flashes. You hmm. ever do that in yours? I never had those. Oh. 
my old Lancers, there was there was some weird thing where you like keyed on, press tractable twice, and a light would pop up on the dash, and you had two flashes you could huh. do on a PCM. <laughs> and then whether that light was on or not, you had one or the other flash. Uh, there's a lot of times where that would be convenient. Yeah. 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 Who's that? I don't know. No power or whatever it that's, was. That's not someone from here. It's some <laughs> NA car with a fart can. I was going to say Tyler Scoble. <laughs> it <laughs> might be <laughs> NA car with a fart can. He's uh, testing out the uh, coilovers. Made some mm. tweaks on them. Put them back together. I, I think that's what he was doing when I came up here. Yeah. Yeah, because we just got a revision in that he was testing out on his car. Because mm-hmm. he had to tear the side apart anyway because he broke an axle. <laughs> and a knuckle. And, and a, a knuckle. couple bolts. Yeah. That car doesn't like to come apart because it only gets winter driven. <laughs> yeah. Michigan ruins cars. Yeah, if you want to see a picture of what 10 year old BC coilovers look like. Oh, jeez. They're rough. Yeah. They were, they were all one color, and you can guess what that color was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways you were uh 30 hundreds yeah yeah that pretty um, much sums it up for yeah. me like you don't replace a fuel pump unless you have to mm-hmm. like fuel fuel pressure gauges are very worth the money very worth the money yeah, wide I, bands too yeah like man do i i love it when i'm remote tuning and a customer has a wide band o2 well you can go so much farther and still be safe. Yeah. Like it's with just trusting the narrow band, there's only so much you can do. You yeah, can't. the the Sonic. Like I I was doing a couple remote tunes and uh the guys are you know reporting back and the wide band is totally conflicting the narrow band on mm-hmm. those cars. I think it's because of the back pressure in yeah, you I know there's so. so much more temperature in in the manifold of those things, you know, and in yeah. the downpipe that that factory O2 signal is skewed. Gets hot. Gets yeah, the skewed. hotter they get, the farther they drop. Yeah, and that that sucks because like it's like yeah, tune looks great, and then he's like, oh, it's like you know, eleven to one, and I'm like, what? Really? Yeah, lean her out a little bit. <laughs> lean it out a little bit. Have them report back, and it's like, oh, okay, we're going in the right direction. Let's fix it. And what's cool is, well, what sucks, I guess I should say, is that. You make an air fuel change, the wide band shows it, but the narrow band stays at the same number. Mm-hmm. So they do another pull, and you're like, oh, it looks the same. The injector pulse width went up, I guess. Yeah. And they're like, oh, it's a half a point leaner. And you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, running the, watching the narrow band, you can keep it safe, but you can't dial it into where it's going to make the best power. No. Which is the frustrating thing. And mm-hmm. Wide bands are so cheap now. Yeah, people yeah. put all that money in their car and won't spend under two hundred bucks to add a wide band. Well, it's because they look at it. the the volt gauge, the pressure gauge, and they're like, okay, those are eighty dollars. Then they look at the wide band, and it's two fifty, and they're like, oh my gosh, yeah. that's crazy, <laughs> yeah. that's outrageous. Yeah, a lot of people. Uh, I have a lot of remote tune customers that don't have the HPT Pro, but they have wide bands. So I'll just have them get a good suction cup mount and stick their phone on their window and just video the wideband screen while they're data logging a pole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that it's actually really easy to just have the two screens open and watch the AFR while I'm watching the pole on the scan. And you, know, you can get 
dang near just as accurate as if it was overlaid in the scan itself. Yeah. I generally tell them, tell me per 1,000 RPM what the air fuel is, but I would be totally happy with that. Yeah. Because I can hear the engine in yeah, the video. You can and, tell when they start the pull and when they stop and then spread that out throughout where yeah. the graph is. Yeah. Um, Shane Hatfield brought up uh, boost to pumps. Um, oh, yeah. Didn't think about that one. I, I do I've actually love boost to pumps. I've used them. I don't you know what it, it is. Um, I had one on my Grand Prix, and I loved yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Tim has one on his Cadillac right now. Yeah. It was on a boost switch. When the engine sees boost, it cranks the voltage up to whatever you want within the reason of the boost to pump. Right. And um, I just turned it up just high enough to maintain fuel pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, tune, do the test on a cold day, I guess, because on a cold day you're making the most power, so yeah. that's the most fuel demand. Um, you know, yeah, Matt so the was, boost to pumps are just a voltage regulator that adds, intercepts the voltage signal going to the fuel pump and then yeah. adds voltage to it so the pump actually spins faster. Yeah. Some will go to 16, 18, 20 volts to the pump. Yeah. Um, a lot of them crazy. can go beyond what your pump can actually handle. So yeah. you don't just put it in and turn it up. <laughs> yeah. You turn it up as much as you need, and that's it. Yeah. It would be cool if some of them you know, lowered the voltage. I don't think very many they, do. They actually do on the base. That's nice. They do for the, for the base. So your pump will last a little bit longer. Yeah. You can oh. get about 30% out of a booster pump, 30% over a year. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, that's yeah. a pretty good amount of headroom. Yeah, that's and huge. On newer cars, the stock pumps are solid enough to where that might be enough to get you whatever you need. Yeah, for 90% of people, that's probably... Yeah. Well, like on Tim's car, he's running a stock Hellcat pump. And like he has the OEM reliability, and it supplies what he needs, and it was an easy fit. Yeah. So I see no reason to, to even avoid the OEM pumps. Hmm. Um, some of the ones that we use work really well. So I'm, I'm a big fan. But yeah, I, I like the idea, and I try to push the idea on people of not buying things you don't need. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, I mean, that's you get a couple that hundred a dollars. You could have bought something that you would have felt. You could have bought a wideband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, Daniel said, uh, I was told I don't need a wideband. Now you guys say we do. You don't need one. It's just a convenience, if you just especially want if you're your remote car to tuning. Be safe, you don't need one. If you want your car to make the most safe power that it can, then yes, you do need one. Yeah, I suppose it depends on the car too. I mean, if it's a if it's a car with basic bolt-ons, mm-hmm. narrow band is fine. If you start adding stuff like big cams, big turbos, you know, you need a wide band. Yeah. And also a damn tune, not a <laughs> mail order tune. Like, you like if you have full bolt-ons, don't buy a mail order tune from anybody. Yeah. Like not even us. Like get a remote tune. Like yeah, every single buy- customer from us. I want to make sure you guys know this. Every single customer from every platform <laughs> has the ability to rent HP tuners and yeah. a laptop from us. Yes. Yeah. So there is not an excuse. To not have a remote tune if that's what your setup would benefit from. Yeah. I I hear that excuse a lot. If you have a colder intake and downpipe and an intercooler, I suppose a mail-order tune is okay. Mm. Or a stage 3 cobalt, I suppose a mail-order tune is okay. But there are... When we've done thousands of the same setup, and and even a stage 3 cobalt is still a fairly mild setup. And the thing is... Is even out of a thousand, 
there's probably 10 or more that could highly benefit from a remote tune. Mm. You Like, a mail-order tune doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, sometimes you'll have a, a random math sensor that reads a little off. Yep. Or, some, or someone might live somewhere where their fuel is a little funky. Yep. Or something like that. Yeah. Funky fuels, for sure. I deal with that jug. all the time. <laughs> deal with it all the time. Uh, I was going to ask if you guys are done with that thought. Uh, Matt, specifically, do you remember when you switched to 85 in the Grand Prix and stuff? Because it was all 93 probably back then. I've never ran E85 in the Grand Prix. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, E85 came out very much later. Zoom didn't yeah, Zoom never did either. None mm. of his record. They, all his Zoom records were on gas. gas. Oh, I didn't know that, actually. Yeah, on the blower. On the, on a, on you guys ever run race fuel, even? Or just yeah. all night? Oh, yeah. He ran race fuel right from the start. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mixes. You know, mixes are straight, you know, depending on the mm-hmm. setup. Um, you know, I've made many trips for Matt to the gas station <laughs> to pick up some 110 for him yeah. back in the day. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, race gas is, is cool, too. Um, but, you know, let it, it works fuel well, isn't... but it's uh, cheap. Yeah. Or not cheap. Yeah, it's super expensive now. I don't know. 110's got to be about $7 a gallon, I would imagine. It was every time gas goes year. up, race gas goes up, and then gas goes down, and race gas doesn't go down. Yeah. I so agree. Of course. Yeah, it's getting scary, too, with the E85 kind of ramping up. Like, yep. that's not good. Yeah, I mean, it's still a lot cheaper than, yeah. than premium, though. It's always been the wild card, though, of, like, yeah, crazy I've, cheap, crazy safe. I've always felt like, for whatever reason, the E85 seems to more correlate with the diesel price fluctuations. Maybe it's the transport, or I I don't have anything to base that on other than just watching the pump prices, but it seems like it works that way. Mm-hmm. But, man, E85, when it first came out, it's amazing. I mean, it was around... In really picking up mainstream when I was first getting into cars. And there was many times thinking that there's no way I would piss around with this four-cylinder stuff if it wasn't for having E85 available. It's just such a gigantic difference. Because, yeah. I mean, my car up until a couple of years ago was my daily as well. So I'm not going to run race gas in that all the time, yeah. obviously. So E85 bridges that gap. And I think it was a huge thing for the for the mod car community in general. We've always been lucky, kind of by Iowa yeah. cornfields. We've always kind of had it. Yeah, the Midwest area, we do pretty well. I think we're at like 50% of the country can get it easy, though. There's kind of just some patches left, I think, that it's tough to get. Not, yeah, all, not all E85 is good, either. There's a lot of garbage E85 yeah. out there. We've had E85 that just misfires for some reason. Yep. You don't know why, but you drain it out and put fresh fuel from down the road in, and all of a sudden all your power's back and it runs great. Yeah. Yep. And, I mean, it uh, doesn't last as long sitting. If you let your car sit over winter or whatever, I've never had an issue, but I've heard. Yeah, I've I've never left a car sit with E85 in it. I get too nervous about it. Yeah, ethanol is, what's the word, hydroscopic absorbs water from the atmosphere yeah so you let it sit long term with adequate airflow and it'll constantly absorb water out mm-hmm. of the air until and you can cause corrosion and rust issues inside of your fuel system or just fill your tank with gas or yeah. with water i mean like uh if you have let's say you have a car and you're like oh 
I don't like emissions. I'm going to pull on all my emissions off. I don't need this EVAP pump anymore. I'm just going to disconnect it. And then you run E85. Guess what's going to happen? There's water flowing through that EVAP line mm-hmm. that's open to the atmosphere. Yeah. And it's going to fill your tank with water eventually. You get water dilution in your fuel. Yeah. And that's that's terrible. So, like, I'm not a fan of deleting any of those components, really. When E85 first came out, there was a lot of people that had issues with the the black gunk and people thought that it was from the E85 um, but what I was told from a high school friend of mine that his dad owns a fuel tank cleaning company was that it was actually stations repurposing old fuel tanks and using them for E85 and there was a lot of deposits in there that gas wouldn't dissolve but the ethanol would and so you oh. use that tank for E85 now it has a bunch of crap in it that gets <laughs> flushed out and into the car as the years have gone on, I see that mentioned a lot less and less and less. Like maybe yeah. the tanks have finally <laughs> they cleaned, cleaned them, about, yeah. finally cleaned themselves out. It's actually funny. I don't know if you remember this. It was a long time ago, but uh, Ryan Derrick brought his car here, I believe, maybe before he was an employee, and he was on E85 in his Cobalt for a while, and I would say a third of his intake port was full of that black gunk. Oh yeah. It was it was like growing off the aluminum in the head. Mm-hmm. Yep. You could like take a finger out. It was like yogurt. Ugh. Like you could just take a gob off with your finger. It How was did crazy. It taste? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Didn't try that. Did you have to do like a walnut blast, or did it just wipe off then? Ah, uh, the head was off for whatever reason. So we just, just cleaned the whole know, thing, just cleaned yeah. it up, put it back in. And what's funny is it never happened again. Weird. That car's never been... I don't know if he's ever ran gas in it since. Probably not. Like, he's pretty avid, like, E85 user. I think he has. And, um, it, and it, when we take it apart to do injector testing, you know, our fuel rail injector testing on it, like, yeah. it was clean. That's the nice thing about fifth injector setup, though. Yep. Yeah. It keeps it all clean in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I've uh, suggested people before to get that. As one of the early fuel mods on the LNF, just for that aspect, so that you do have some fuel flowing through the ports to try to keep them cleaned out. Yep. Now, if you're adding a fifth injector to a car that has 150,000 miles on it, maybe take your intake off and clean the ports out first, so you're not just washing <laughs> gobs of junk right into your cylinders. It'll sure. burn out. Yeah, for it'll sure. burn out. May take some things along with it. Yeah, my uh, my ATSV has twenty thousand miles on it, and we had it apart for some like throttle body testing, and and uh, just kind of looked down in the intake ports, and the valves are pretty nasty already. Mm-hmm. Twenty thousand miles, and they're they're gross, and it wasn't even like all of them were. There were like certain cylinders that were way worse than others. Yeah. Oh really? Um, you know, I have a meth kit on the car, which I'm not planning on removing. Even if I could, even if I could, I just leave it on because I like the idea of the cooling and the and the cleaning of the valves. Yeah. So hopefully that helps me. You know, I guess meth kits we didn't talk about. Um, meth kits are kind of like our fifth injector. It's just an additional source of fuel, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's amazing for DI cars because you're putting it in before the intake valves. Uh, port injection has the benefit of the fuel wash in the intake valves. DI cars don't have that. Yeah. So, you know, if our LNF fifth injector makes that happen. Our, you know, a meth kit makes it happen for other cars. 
you know, I have a meth kit that I, you know, I bought for my BMW M6 that I haven't put on oh, yet. Yeah. You know, same thing. That thing has almost 100,000 miles on it. I guarantee the intake valves are a mess. Yeah, that might need the intake pulled off so you can blast it. Yeah. There was a guy with an M3. He bought the car brand new. He dynoed it. It made X horsepower. Um, he waited one calendar year. He was like a owner of a dyno shop. He waited one calendar year, dynoed it again. It made like almost 50 less horsepower at the wheels. He waited another calendar year. It lost another 50. Holy cow. I believe he went a third year and it lost about the same again. And then he walnut blasted it and then put it back together. And it made it was back to the stock horsepower. Really? <laughs> now, I'm not surprised. With I some of the pictures I've seen of the valve coking. <clears throat> The BMWs are known for it worse than most, I think, too. Yeah. I've heard that, too. It's possible yeah. that it's related to how, how your PCB system works. Because your PCB system, you have oil vapor that goes back into the intake stream. And if, however the system works on whatever engine you're dealing with, if it has a lot of oil vapor, then you're going to get a lot of buildup a lot faster. Um, the downside is, on, on a streetcar, you can't just block the PCB off. Um, and to run a catch can that's going to actually get that oil out of the airstream almost always requires uh, some modifications to the intake manifold. That's usually where the PCB valve is located. So you have to block that, intercept it, route it through an air So no way separator. to bolt it on and fix that. No. Yeah. Um, a lot of the catch cans that you see will... They'll separate the oil out that comes out of the breather lines when you're full throttle or whenever you're in boost or the PCV, PCV isn't functioning. But that's a really small percentage of Daily the oil driving, consumption yeah. that you get. Um, so like the the lines on the back of like the LNF valve cover, you can run an air oil separators through those, but that's not going to keep the valves and intake ports clean. Because that's not where the oil that contaminates those is coming from. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, another thing, too, meth is a good transition into nitrous. I'm surprised none of you brought that up yet. Yeah. Have you had a nitrous car, actually? I've I know you two have. He has. But. Yeah, I've had a one nitrous kit that went between a few different vehicles. <laughs> you just brought it with you? So, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's fun. It's fun only, only if it's a wet kit. Yes. I am so pro night. Don't even put it on unless it's a wet kit. Yeah. Dry is just an old school thing now, isn't it? Yeah, it's stupid. Like people, like people will ask me like, Hey, you know, I've got my GTP, you know, tune it for a dry shot of nitrous. And it's like, that sucks because like when the nitrous isn't spraying, it's It's 50 horse rich. rich. Yeah. There's 50 horsepower, too much of fuel in the cylinders now. So it's like a huge downgrade until the nitrous works. Um, nitrous does have some downsides, though. Um, I remember my friend put it on a Civic. This is like before I worked at ZZP. Bottle pressure and bottle yeah. temperature. Like, you know, a nitrous kit on a cold day without a bottle warmer oh, is yeah. worthless. I did not. I ran my nitrous without one for a while because I thought it was just bullshit. And once I actually got a bottle warmer that ran off a pressure switch... I swear it like doubled the amount of power you felt. <laughs> That's exactly it, how I felt. Is the yep. the nitrous jets are are rated in the the power because they control the mass flow, which is directly related to your horsepower. But that's expecting your bottle pressure to be around a thousand, like nine fifty yep. to ten fifty, somewhere around there. So when your bottle is low, you don't get the amount of nitrous you should. The car runs rich, 
and it's just slow. Yep. It's not fun. Yeah, the, if you're going to do nitrous, do it right. Have your fail safes in place. Run filters on the lines. Get a bottle heater. One that's pressure controlled, not temperature. But other than that, man, I love nitrous. Yep. It's so addicting. It's so much fun. It's you weird can, how it was a big thing. It went away, and now it's like coming back now in it's style. Coming back. Yeah. I think maybe one of the reasons it's coming back is it's a lot easier to run it safely now with a lot yeah. of the standalones that are out there. And even not the standalones, you have like uh, even the AEM failsafe wideband is a very simple one that can like cut your boost or even cut ignition if you wanted to if yep. you get too lean uh, within the parameters that you set. And so the things like that make it a lot easier to cover your tracks and not risk blowing your engine up. In or you, you or you, yeah. <laughs> you brought up uh, you know safeguards like the um, we were just talking about the AEM fail safe gauge. Mm-hmm. How cool of a gauge that is! Yeah, it's a gauge that watches your air fuel, watches your boost, and it data logs yeah, like X amount of time. And if you you can go into it via your laptop or your computer, and you can program it to where if let's say there's X boost. And your air fuel ratio gets leaner than this, it can trigger a solenoid. Yeah. And you could like trigger your boost solenoid. Yeah, or something you could use and that. Cut your boost. It just it gives you a ground output. So you could yeah. use that for anything. You could yeah. use it to cut your ignition relay. You could yep. use it to cut your boost solenoid. You could use it to cut the nitrous system off. Uh, there's yeah. You hmm. do anything you want it to. It yeah, keep I mean your engine from going bang. Technology is getting pretty amazing and affordable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that gauge is very affordable. Yeah. Yeah, for the features that it provides, it's a very good bang for your buck gauge Just, to have. You, know, you do your research, learn how to you know properly use it, mm-hmm. and it's a neat looking gauge too. It's one of the better yeah. looking face gauges yeah, that is. that are sold. And you can get the black, the white. Is it just black and white they sell with those? Um, they always have like the different face yeah. plates, but yeah, because you can do the bezel like and the face plate different. Yup. Yep. And then that actually has like the like the larger screen and it's like dot matrix instead of just oh, really? base numbers. So it's, it's a better yeah. looking gauge. <clears throat> and, um, you know, while we're talking about gauges, like, uh, the Aeroforce force is very underrated. Yeah. Um, yeah I I've, so too. I've had two vehicles that I bought a single for. And every time I was mad that I didn't buy the dual setup. Yeah. So on my F one fifty dune truck, like I bought the dual setup with a wide band and I just love that combo. Two arrow forces and a wide band. I can like, and each arrow force can show at least two things at a time. And I saw that you can program it actually show more than two. Mm-hmm. You can send it into arrow force, and they can make it to where it shows like four things. Wow, that was kind of neat. I saw it in a customer's car, and mm-hmm. I didn't even know about it. I kind of felt stupid that I didn't know about that, but wow. that was cool. Yeah, Ryan showed me the ethanol content. He was looking at it in yep. wallpaper car. I was like, well, I didn't even know you could do that. Just like. Yep. Plugged into the OBD port, that's it? Yeah. Yep, you can yeah, tell how much ethanol handy. you just got at yeah. the station. Um, for you guys that can't run full E85, I mean, you can you can dial it in perfectly. Yeah. Uh, because like you know, if, every- if your fuel system will only support E47, yep. it's nice to have a simple gauge to watch your ethanol content so that when you fill up at the station, you know how much you need to add of each. And the not so worrying that. about... Your wiring job or anything like that is huge. Like, yep. yeah, two minute install. You put it in the like, hole and you plug it in. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, another thing I talk to people about too is like, 
Let's say you have a car and it can only handle E47 um, for that temperature that day. That's another really cool point. <laughs> yeah. So if we say your car can handle E47 on a 60-degree day, and it is a 100-degree day, and you are going to the racetrack, you can, you can handle more than E47. Yeah. And if you have an aeroforce gauge, you can crank that up. Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the math numbers off the top of my head, but it's very possible if your car you supports E47. Yeah, 60s or, or potentially more. Yeah. So, like, your actual ethanol percent your car can support, your fuel system can support, you can determine that based on that day. Yeah. So, that's great. You know, if it's 100 degrees, I mean, it's a pretty huge advantage to run that much more ethanol on that day. Yeah. Anyone got any uh, last comments, questions you want to get off your chest? It's about five, so we're going to wrap it up here. A good point on there. Uh, Chris asked if we had played around with E98. Uh, <laughs> yes, we do, actually. We buy yep. it in bulk. Yeah. Um, largely because, like we were just talking about, a lot of the different vehicles here can only run certain amounts of ethanol and be happy. Um, so like by, every one of our vehicles. Like every car is different. <laughs> yeah. Like my car, I could run it straight if I wanted to. Uh, the ATSVs, you're not going to run no. full E98. Mm-hmm. Um, so buying E98 in bulk allows us to custom mix batches. for, And we have barrels that we pre-mix and take to the track with us. Um, and for someone that's going to be pushing their car on the ragged edge, if you have somewhere that you can get bulk E98, uh, luckily we have a place that, I mean, it's a couple hour drive, but we can buy it in big bulk. Um, mixing E98 with 93, even if you're still making E85, is a better fuel than what you're going to get at the pump. Yeah. Uh, because pump E85 does not is not necessarily mixed with gasoline. It can be mixed with any hydrocarbon that's in about the same flammability range. On all average. The, all, all the way down to LNG. Which is like well, what, they dropped 70? ten octane points. <laughs> yeah, from E ninety eight to E eighty five, with only fifteen percent. So yep, with only a fifteen percent change. So you know they're mixing it with the leftover garbage yeah. that they can't <laughs> sell as gasoline. Yeah, a lot of people don't know we used E ninety eight in the Cobalt when we made nine hundred. Yeah. E ninety eight mixed with C sixteen, fifty fifty. Hmm. Yep. So actually, it was a little little bit more C sixteen. So it was kind of like an E forty seven. Really good E forty seven. Yeah, really, really, really good E forty seven. Yeah, forty seven. Yeah, um, most E eighty five on average. Like I talked to Brenner Fuel, which is, supplies the E eighty five around here, most of it, and they said that they that fifteen percent is seventy octane liquefied natural gas. Yeah. What? It would yeah. have to be. Yeah. I said you're dropping all the way from one fifteen to one hundred five mm-hmm. with on, only a fifteen percent. So if you That's have terrible. a max effort car. If you have a max effort car, um, it would be great to have E98 that you can actually mix with, like, let's say, 93 octane. That's already way sweeter than, like, pump E85. Or, like Matt said, you can mix it with race fuel. Mm -hmm. That's what I ran in my Ion for the last half-mile events that I did. I mixed E98 and 110. Yep. But Hmm. since I was still running 80% ethanol and buying in bulk, E98 is still really cheap. Like is using E98 and 110 still only only came out to like 350 a gallon, which is way below what any yeah, race fuel. That's not bad cost. for it's racing not, fuel. Not terrible yeah. for a race fuel. And more and more power output. Yeah. Yeah. Oops. And you didn't blow anything up. 
So no, and that was a scary ride. <laughs> and it went a little lean during the pole, but there's no way I didn't have time to look at the wide band. It, it made it because I had good fuel in the car. You weren't tuning it as you went down the half mile. Heck no! That's what the first half is for. I didn't have time to blink. <laughs> he closed the laptop. Yeah, <laughs> pissing him off. Told me danger to manifold. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, well, anyways, I think that about wraps oh, yeah. it up. It's five oh two. I see a couple of you guys asking about orders, some questions. We're all insanely busy here, so. You'll have to just uh, say thank you to these guys for coming up here. We're getting to them. Yeah, every, every, just imagine every employee here working at 100%. Like, yeah. we are doing our best to keep up with everybody. Everybody's saw, doing uh, at least two jobs. Matt T. said earlier today that since Monday, he's walked 59 miles at work. Since Monday? Since Monday. One of our warehouse guys? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just picking orders, kidding stuff, moving stuff around. And a lot of times, I, he's I driving it. a high-low. Yeah, a lot of times, he's <laughs> yeah. on the forklift. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Well, have a good weekend. Uh, unless you guys got anything else, I think, we're good I think to go. that's it. Let us know what you want to hear next week. So, see you guys. Deuces. See you guys. Good weekend.